Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 19 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Vecchione. Welcome to today's episode. The following is a paid advertisement from Go Gray. Hi, this is Natalie from the FASD Hope Podcast, and I'm going to give you three quick reasons why I love the Go Gray Purple Toning Mask. Number one, it's beautiful, rich purple color. Number two, it's wonderful scent. Number three, how it left my hair shiny, vibrant, and with so many different tones of gray and silver. The Go Gray Purple Toning Mask is a brightening and hydrating hair mask for deep moisture. The purple tone helps brighten and enhance your gray and silver hair. The Go Gray Purple Toning Mask is a luxurious conditioning formula expertly infused with purple pigments to neutralize unwanted warm yellow tones. Oat bran and orange peel extract add softness and suppleness to strands, reducing unwanted tangles. An olive-derived squalene protects from heat, frizz, and helps reduce breakage. Go Gray is a hair care system made to help you transition your dyed hair into your natural gray seamlessly. Go Gray has products for every step of the journey, whether you have decided to ditch the dye or you're already embracing your natural gray and silver hair and looking to brighten and nourish your overall hair appearance. Go Gray is exclusively available at Walmart and walmart.com. You can follow Go Gray at Go Gray or find Go Gray at www.go-gray.com. Go Gray. Embrace your gray. Today, I'll be speaking with Dr. Jared Brown. Jared Brown, PhD, MA, MS, 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 is a professor, trainer, researcher, and consultant with multiple years of experience teaching college courses. Jared is also the founder and CEO of the American Institute for the Advancement of Forensic Sciences, AIAFS, and the editor-in-chief of Forensic Scholars Today. Today's episode is all about FASD, gratitude and optimism with Dr. Jared Brown. Welcome to today's episode. It is March and spring is upon us. And this topic is a wonderful topic to discuss when we're talking about FASD and other brain-based diagnoses, gratitude and optimism. Those individuals that have an FASD or other brain-based diagnoses often grapple with gratitude and optimism because we know those are abstract concepts. So today we're going to the expert, Dr. Jared Brown, and we are picking up where we left off last year in our All About FASD series with Dr. Jared Brown, Professional Insights and Perspectives. So today's topic is gratitude and optimism in FASD. So Dr. Jared Brown, welcome back to FASD Hope. Thank you, Nellie. Hope all of you are doing well. And it's always a pleasure to have Jared here. Uh, His episodes are definitely the most popular episodes that we have, and they're just such learning and wonderful resources. So Jared, before we start today's conversation, can you give us a quick update on what you've been doing since we last spoke with you in 2021? 
You bet. I've just, I've been spending a lot of time really digging into the topics of screen time addiction and friendship making abilities. And with the screen time addiction, that is just such a huge issue for so many people, not just folks with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, but I often get calls from caregivers and professionals from individuals who are on the autism spectrum or dealing with ADHD. It's a real issue. So I've been doing actually several podcasts with various organizations looking at screen time addiction and putting together some trainings on that very topic. And I am absolutely going to be talking about how this can impact people with FASD. And for your audience, if you want to learn more about the topic, just Google my name and type in screen time addiction podcast. You'll find some things uh, online, but there's not a lot of research, if any, that I've really come across that's specific to FASD and screen time. It's more like case studies. And I hear it over and over again from caregivers. There's quite a bit of research on autism and screen time and ADHD and screen time. But if you're a researcher, absolutely a great area to look into. With the friendship making, I'm, I'm focusing on that because so often a lot of the cases I've consulted on, the individual deals with issues in making friends and sometimes choosing friends that may not have their best intentions in mind. So really looking at that through a lens of like theory of mind deficits, empathy, uh, social perspective taking, um, gullibility, naivete, and how some people are talked into doing things that might get them into trouble. So definitely that could be a really cool podcast, Natalie, we could do in the future if you're interested in looking at kind of friendship making abilities and deficits and things we can do to help people with FASD develop more social skills and understanding around just friendship making. I am writing that down and listeners, that will be our next topic when we speak with Dr. Brown. Um, cool. That is a wonderful, we, we have not addressed that. And we know that this not only is a challenge, especially when our children are younger, but then as they get older and as that dismaturity gap widens, like you've, you've said, you know, many times. Um, so having tips and resources to help as, as parents, caregivers, loved ones to help those with an FASD build those skills is wonderful. So thank you, Jared. That would be fantastic. So let's talk about today's topic, which is FASD and gratitude and optimism. And for those of you who don't know, when, when Jared and I email each other, Jared is, is so kind and gives me topics that he would like to share with, with our audience and gratitude and optimism just really stuck out for me because I know that's, those are concepts that are very challenging, particularly for our son, you know, and I know that we, when we have children that, that grapple with having um, optimism or having gratitude, it, it really can be a struggle for us as parents, especially if, if we're the type of people that, that we have optimism and we have gratitude. So Jared, before we talk about this, um, this wonderful topic today, let's discuss why this is such an important topic for our listeners uh, to really get a better understanding of. Absolutely. I, I, I give a lot of trainings and talks on the topic of trauma and adversity and resilience. And when you really dig into those topics, 
oftentimes like literature and research comes up about how having higher levels of gratitude and higher levels of optimism are really a key component of being more resilient and they can be protective factors against stress and adversity and hardship. And we all know that we're all dealing with stress right now in the era of COVID-19. For people with FASD, we know unfortunately histories of trauma are more common, histories of getting bullied and teased and rejected with caregivers. It can be very stressful at times. So if we can implement these kind of approaches and having more gratitude and more optimism, we're in a better position to handle stress. We're in a better position to bounce back. We're, we're more adaptable. We're more flexible. We have a, a better outlook on life in the future. And it's really, really, it's great for our overall health and wellness. Lots of research that shows that people who have higher levels of gratitude and optimism are typically happier in life. They sleep better. They're less likely to just have issues with mental health problems. So it really is a very important protective factor that I don't think people talk about enough. And it really, look at it through a lens of kind of having a, a strengths-based mindset or approach. So your audience, if, if it's caregivers listening in or if it's professionals, the more we can implement these kind of strategies, approaches to working with people with FASD, as well as implementing these strategies into our own lives, great outcomes, I think, can happen. It's not going to solve the problem completely, but I think it can put us in a better position to handle these stressors when they come up. And then we approach the situation in a more calm, kind, and patient manner, which is very important for working with people with FASD. And Jared, that's a wonderful way to view optimism and gratitude when we have loved ones or caring for individuals with FASD, that they are tools. And just like other tools and skills, we know that individuals with FASD, they can build their skills, you know, even though they, they, have processing deficits and, and learning deficits, we can still use those tools of gratitude and optimism, like you said, to, to help them boost their protective factors so that they can thrive. So let's talk about why. Let's talk about the why behind this. Why do individuals with FASD have these challenges with optimism and gratitude? I think some of it has to do with obviously having a history of adversity. So if the person had a history of trauma and they didn't have FASD, sometimes people that have extensive trauma histories have a real hard time having a positive outlook on the future. So they have a real hard time looking to the future and knowing that brighter days are ahead. And now you introduce FASD into the equation the person deals with executive functioning impairments. Attachment problems are going to be very common. Co-occurring mental health and physical health challenges. So there's a lot of barriers. And if these barriers go unaddressed, unchecked, and unfortunately also often people that have true FASD are not often identified early on in life. And in a lot of cases, they've never received an accurate diagnosis. And a big thing that we often talk about is this population really struggles with abstract reasoning. 
So that links to cause and effect, understanding how and why questions, kind of seeing the big picture, connecting the dots. And gratitude and optimism are kind of abstract concepts. So it's very important to understand that and really looking at it through a lens of teaching these, these approaches in a manner that is going to be conducive to their thinking abilities, to their processing abilities, to their emotional and social maturity level. Because also often people with FASD function quite a few years younger than their actual chronological age. So it's very important to take that into account and really considering their abstract reasoning, executive functioning, and their social emotional maturity. Those would be just a few things to consider. Definitely. And this goes back to so often we've talked about going from the not that an individual won't have or or refuses to have gratitude or optimism, but that they cannot have it because of how the brain is impacted by fetal alcohol exposure. So what specific abilities of gratitude and optimism are impacted by an individual with an FASD? Well, it's it's difficult to know for sure because there's far as I know, there's not a lot of research specifically looking at gratitude and optimism through an FASD lens, but these are very important approaches. And I think they're universal approaches that should be used with any human being. But again, prenatal alcohol exposure can damage all parts of the brain. It can damage parts of the body. It when it damages the prefrontal cortex, the executive functioning capabilities, that has a significant impact on that person's ability to reason and make decisions and problem solve and process information and just handle day-to-day conflict. And it can absolutely have a negative impact on the way in which that person manages stress in their day-to-day life. Unfortunately, some cases, the individual may be more prone to having higher levels of irritability, mood kind of up and down mood swings. So I think looking at it through a lens of gratitude and optimism can help caregivers approach the situation in a more kind of kind and calm and patient manner. So if we could maybe take it a step back just to give your audience a general overview of kind of like, what are some of the benefits associated with gratitude? in themselves and in the people they interact with. Because again, gratitude, optimism, and even resilience, they're really strengths-based kind of approaches. So anytime you're working with any person, I think if you look through a strengths-based lens, better outcomes can happen. Capitalizing on that person's hobbies, their skills, their interest, their academic strengths, focusing on their identity, really promoting positive identity development, looking at elements of self-esteem, really capitalizing on improving their self-esteem, their self-worth, their self-image, but also capitalizing on elements of health and wellness. So we can't forget about promoting good sleep, nutrition, um, taking good care of our dental health, managing our fatigue during the day capitalizing too on that individual's community life. Are they connected to positive support groups? Do they have a good friendship network? Are they in a school environment where the school teachers truly understand FASD? Is that individual in a home environment where the caregivers understand FASD? It is very important too, when we think of this, these topics, 
I think for your audience to understand the topic of grit as well. I see this as a real problem with some people with FASD. When things get tough, when change happens, when uncertainty happens, life throws them a curveball. At least some of the adult clients I've consulted on in cases, they struggle with hanging in there and pushing through that stress or that worry, that uncertainty. And part of that relates to grit. So anything we can do to walk alongside the individual, to encourage them, to motivate them, implementing motivational improvement strategies, I think is a very important component to this as well. Some of you are probably familiar with like the term that external brain, maybe it's working with a mentor, maybe it's working with a skills worker teaching that client how to hang in there, modeling those behaviors too. If you're a caregiver, modeling these behaviors, because if the caregiver can model these important and pro-social behaviors and the caregivers can stay regulated during times of stress, worry, and uncertainty, that can have some positive impacts as well on the individual. And I can see, Jared, that if you're a caregiver, Having gratitude and optimism, especially on those really challenging days of your loved one, of your child that has an FASD, it can be difficult for us to model it if we are feeling very deflated, very defeated. How can we practically demonstrate gratitude and optimism for our loved ones so they can see and they can they have models but at the same time, recognize that we need to have gratitude and optimism as well. I kind of see this as interconnected between our own gratitude and optimism and our, our loved one, our, the individual that has an FASD. Absolutely. So just give you an example. I think these things can be contagious in a good way. Like if you have a friend or a support network and that, that group of people are very encouraging, they're optimistic, they're hopeful, they really focus on the positive aspects of life, you feel better typically. If you have a friendship group or a family who's always negative, pessimistic, never sees the positives in anything, what happens? That trickles down and it makes us feel worse. The benefits associated with gratitude are many and varied, and it can absolutely transform a person's life for the better. There's emotional benefits associated with having higher levels of gratitude. We're less likely to become reactive to certain things, so it creates more of a buffer. Huge social benefits too. Gratitude can help reduce loneliness, and it can help improve social skill abilities in some cases. Those of you who are working, there is a lot of benefits associated with having gratitude within the workplace. So if you form a workplace culture really focused on gratitude and optimism and those strengths-based approaches, that can reduce burnout. Lots of health benefits too. People, some of this research really points to the fact people with higher levels of um, gratitude and optimism typically sleep better. There is some research to show that it may reduce inflammation in the body. Inflammation is a huge driver for some mental health and physical health conditions. It can enhance our empathy for ourselves and others. People with higher levels of gratitude are also typically in a better position to resolve conflict 
in a manner that is going to be healthy for all people involved. And it can really promote more self-compassion and kindness for ourselves and others. So if we use these approaches with anyone we come into contact with, if we can approach it in a much more kind and compassionate manner, having more empathy, really being in it with someone to solve problems and not become reactive, I truly think that's going to be good for anyone, especially when you come into contact with people with FASD. And anything we can do too to promote self-determination, those are important things because gratitude has also been shown to promote positive self-determination. It's been shown to help reduce depression and anxiety, and it can also help foster more trust. I think anyone who really studies like attachment theory or trauma-informed care approaches really should study gratitude as well. Those are very important components to those kind of approaches. And we know all too often, too, people with FASD often struggle with self-regulation and emotional control deficits. There's some research to point to the fact, too, if we can implement these kind of positive approaches, that may help reduce self-regulation issues. But again, a lot of this research doesn't specifically focus on people with FASD. It's more just for the general population. So really take that into account as well when you're starting to learn about these topics. This is wonderful. And just like last year, I'm writing all of these notes down so that our listeners will also have visual uh, notes from this conversation. So caregivers, educated loved ones of those with an FASD. Jared, let's talk about like an actual example of how someone can model gratitude or model optimism so that it can be a teachable moment And maybe let's start with a a young child and then perhaps a teenager and then a young adult. What are some actual examples? So I'm thinking, for example, you know, for our family, serving others. We often find that um, when we serve others and help others, so whether it be volunteering or donating or, or we live out here in the middle of the country, so baking for our neighbors, things like that. I know that both of our children see that as acts of gratitude, you know, that we're grateful for those, those people in our community. And, and I can actually give an example, which I, you know, I don't really brag upon um, <laughs> my, my <laughs> children that much, but I, I, I'd like to share this example before our son moved into his apartment. It was probably maybe a month or so before uh, we were at an intersection and there's this young man who, who is homeless and he he's there pretty regularly at this, this corner. And our son said, mom, can you roll down our window and everybody put on our masks? And, th- and this was a few months ago. So this was, you know, we, we were definitely more, uh, we're still diligent about masks, but, um, and, and I said, okay, buddy. And I, I wasn't quite sure what he was doing. And he, when he rolled down the window and we got near that intersection our son took off the jacket. Literally, he took his jacket off his back and he gave it to that young man. And he said, here, buddy, I know it's going to be cold tonight. And the young man, he was just so thankful. He's like, thank you, buddy. And he looked, he's like, whoa, this is a nice jacket. Thank you. And I cried tears of happiness because to me, I felt like 
all of those teachable moments that my husband and I have, you know, shown about gratitude and about serving others. He, I felt like in that moment, our son got it. He literally gave someone the jacket off of its back because he was grateful for what he had. So, um, so, so I'll, I'll stop bragging now, <laughs> but, uh, but I, wa- I wanted to great. share that example because I think for us, for our family, serving others and just showing appreciation for others is one of many ways that we can demonstrate gratitude for our children, especially our children that have FASD and brain-based diagnoses. So Jared, what are some other practical examples that, that families can take away about how to demonstrate it? I love the example. And Thank you. there is so much research on the importance of volunteering, not, not just general research on that, how volunteering can really help improve not only the people you're helping, but it can really improve ourselves and it helps us get outside of our own self. Anything we can do to promote self-compassion for ourselves and compassion for others is a good thing. Lots of research on self-compassion. Very important for caregivers and professionals to have their own self-compassion. None of us are perfect when we make a mistake, just knowing that maybe we're just doing the best we can, being able to let go of that, having compassion for ourselves, doing something new, getting routine is so important. I'm, I'm we know that is so important for people that FASD, but trying new things too, creating new opportunities for learning and growing and interacting with positive people. Maybe it's starting a new regiment every day by going outside for a walk or being around animals or gardening, whatever creates positive an atmosphere, hopeful thinking creating opportunities for more happiness and joy as well. And really having a mindset that things are hopeful, things are going to be better and really staying motivated, staying alert. So we have to take care of ourselves physically and emotionally and not getting too drained and having good boundaries too. And staying alert is important. Keeping people around us inspired by again, trying new things, learning new activities, just being very intentional about things and helping that individual create a positive path moving forward. Maybe their path in the past has been very rocky and very shaky, and there's been a lot of turmoil, but helping them form a path that is more clear, more stable, more structured, more predictable, and a path that can be done with other people We can't do this alone. We have to do it in community and really promoting that positive, hopeful thinking to the future. I think part of this too, being goal oriented formulating goals is very important, but formulating goals in the right way, especially for people with FASD, it, it can be tricky. It needs to be modified, making sure we're formulating goals that are really set up to the individual strengths, needs, and limitations and taking into account their emotional, social, and developmental age. The last thing we want to do is develop a goal that does not take into account their emotional and social age. Also often when I've consulted with professionals who don't understand FASD, they really look at the person's 
just chronological age. They don't take into account that they, the person may function many years younger. It is also very important to consider the person's adaptive functioning capabilities, how they function in day-to-day -day life without supports and services. And again, just promoting an atmosphere of optimistic thinking and again, focusing on the good. We still want to look at the negatives, but we don't want to like highlight them all the time and always focus on the negatives and the things that aren't going well. Using those opportunities as a learning and teachable moment and focusing on the good things and focusing on the path forward is very helpful. And I think anytime we're teaching a skill to someone with any type of neurodevelopmental disorder, making sure it's concrete, it's visual, we're teaching it in many different ways and many different settings. Because the last thing too we want to do is teach a skill in a really controlled setting where the person really has got the skill down, but then when they leave that group or whatever it is, they don't know how to apply it at home. They don't know how to apply it on the bus. They don't know how to apply it in school. You got to practice these skills, model these skills, and coach these skills, and plenty of opportunity for role-playing in multiple different settings. So those are just a few things that come to mind. And this, Jared, reinforces what we talk about so often on FASD Hope and focusing on strengths. You know, we support the needs, but often our society focuses on those deficits, you know, whether in school or any in any environment, we tend to focus on the deficits rather than shifting and focusing on the strengths. So what you're saying, I believe really reinforces what we talk about focusing on strengths and, and shifting that mindset to meet that individual where they're at. So I love this. Now, I know you said there, there are not many resources specific to FASD about gratitude and optimism, but what resources can you recommend for those families, caregivers, educators who want to learn more about teaching gratitude and op optimism skills? You just go online and Google these things. You'll find so many resources, just general resources on this. If you go to Google Scholar and type these search terms in, you're going to find quite a few academic articles. If you go to YouTube, there's quite a few just good short informational videos on there. If you're looking for like suggested readings or maybe some educational handouts, you're more than welcome to share my email address with individuals as well. And just being on the lookout too, send me an email. I'm actually putting together various trainings on some of these topics. And uh, I do have some other PowerPoints that I have done at, for on-demand webinars related to some of these topics. So studying the topics of gratitude, optimism, resilience, I would recommend those three. Looking some other good search terms, I would recommend lots of things on self-compassion. I think it's important to understand the topic of empathy. We really want to be aware of the topic of shame. Shame is a, a, a toxic emotion. It absolutely can be a barrier for any human being, and it can get in the way of that person really thriving and living their best life possible. So those would just be a few things to really study and learn about. These are big topics. There's been hundreds, if not thousands of articles written on these topics. But again, most of the articles 
have never been like studied specifically within the context of FASD. But common sense tells us, and just my own experience working with many professionals and caregivers, that these are issues that are real for people with FASD. And if we can implement any of these strategies, I think better outcomes can happen regardless of the setting. Absolutely. And before we end on our hope takeaways, Jared, you have a webinar coming up that is available and very accessible on a topic that we discussed back on episode 97 of last year. Can you share a little bit more about this training event? Yeah, I'm doing a half day training in March through the American Institute for the Advancement of Forensic Studies. It's an organization that I founded in 2011. It's an online training. We, we offer continuing education trainings to professionals working in the criminal justice, mental health, human service, social service arena. But anyone can take our trainings and it focuses on confabulation suggestibility, gullibility, and compliance. These are real issues for people with FASD. In that training, I will be talking about FASD at times, but it's really a broad spectrum overview of these topics and just things to be on the lookout for and modifications that can be made to the interviewing process. So if you're doing any type of interviews and any type of setting, these are very important topics to be on the lookout for. So I will put that direct link to that webinar if you're interested in learning more or signing up for that webinar. And I believe the date is March 25th. So uh, if you are interested in it, please check out our program notes and I will put the link in for that training session. Jared, it's always a pleasure having you on FASD Hope and having you teach our listeners just the extensive wisdom and experience that you have in working with individuals with FASD and other brain-based diagnoses. Can you share some words of hope for our listeners about today's topic, having gratitude and optimism, especially when we're caring for, working with, and just supporting our loved ones with FASD? Without a doubt, I have seen these approaches help people. And I have also seen it help people with FASD. I've talked to plenty of caregivers and professionals. When, when they start utilizing these approaches, they feel better. That Those feelings trickle down into the whole family and reduce the level of stress, anxiety, worry, tension. And it really does improve outcomes. So if you do use these approaches and you really learn about them and study them and Maybe it's getting some consultation or coaching from professionals who understand these topics and really start infusing these approaches into your day-to-day life. I've absolutely seen it really lead to better health outcomes, better family outcomes, better outcomes for the professionals and the caregivers in the work environment and within their own relationships with other family and friends. So if you study these topics and you really start infusing these into your day-to-day life, I truly believe that better things can happen for you and your family. And those are magnificent words of hope. Dr. Jared Brown, it's always a pleasure having you on FASD Hope. And just a preview for our next topic, we'll be talking about friendship and and helping those individuals with FASD build friendship skills and skills so that they can have connection and better friendship. So once again, Dr. Jared Brown, 
thank you so much for being on FASD Hope. Natalie, thank you so much. Thank you for the amazing work you're doing. And thank you everyone for tuning in. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Becchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out FASDHope.com or please leave us a five-star rating and review and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us again next week and remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.